I may have said this before, but I always find it funny that uh, most of the literature in India, or in fact the literature that unites India, or the medium of communication that unites India, is not really Indian, it's English. And that is how I'm communicating with you. And uh, although historic historically speaking, this is relatively a new phenomenon that is the english conquered india colonized it and that's how english language spread here but uh, still the language has had deep impact in the literary world of india and as i said most of the writers they write in india and those who write in vernacular languages they also choose to write or speak in english wherever there is any opportunity in terms of media communications or otherwise this language of communication as english it started as of course through british governmental structure where most of the government related activities or communications were supposed to be done in english language but uh, if we speak about literary world it first started through poetry the first indian writers who wrote in english language they were poets and uh, this had started it pretty much in the 19th century and when we come into the 20th century english had become much more common and more and more people were writing in english one of them was ak ramanujan i'm sure you would have heard the name of this poet and in case you haven't that's completely fine he was born in 1922 in mysore in southern part of india and he spent much of his adult life in chicago where he worked as a professor but he became famous in 1970s with two volumes of poetry the striders and relations and this was quite an interesting development as it became increasingly clear that his bilingualism or multilingualism as somebody from india writing in english was important not only to his work but to understand this new form of english that was emerging from the subcontinent people like salman rushdi have carried on that legacy and if you read this literature you find that although this is english but it is very different from the english english that is this is indian english with the different spices and flavors and uh, that's what makes it interesting isn't it if you are going to read his works uh, i would recommend you read his poetry and one collection i have already named but in this podcast i'm going to narrate an informal essay written by ramanujan it's called is there an indian way of thinking so let's start 
Stanislavski had an exercise for his actors. He would give them an everyday sentence like bring me a cup of tea and ask them to say it in 40 different ways using it to beg, question, mock, wheedle, be imperious, etc. My question is there an Indian way of thinking is a good one for such an exercise. Depending on where the stress is placed, it contains many questions, all of which are real questions. Asked again and again when people talk about India. Here are a few possible versions. Is there an Indian way of thinking? 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 The answers are just as various. Here are a few. There was an Indian way of thinking. There isn't any more. If you want to learn about the Indian way of thinking, do not ask your modern-day city-fied Indians. Go to the pundits, the Vedikas, the old texts. On the contrary, India never changes. Under the veneer of the modern, Indians still think like the Vedas. The second question might elicit answers like these. There is no single Indian way of thinking. There are great and little traditions, ancient and modern, rural and urban, classical and folk. Each language, caste and region has its, its special worldview. So under the apparent diversity, there is really a unity of viewpoint, a single super system. Vedis see a Vedic model in all Indian thought. Nehru made the phrase unity in diversity an Indian slogan. The Sahitya Academy's line has been Indian literature is one, though written in many languages. The third question might be answered. What we see in India is nothing special to India. It is nothing but pre-industrial, pre-printing press, face-to-face, -face, agricultural, feudal, Marxists, Freudians. All have their labels for the stage India is in, according to their schemes of social evolution. India is only one example. Others, of course, would argue the uniqueness of the Indian way and how it turns all things, especially rivals and enemies, into itself. Look at what has happened to Indo-Europeans in India, they would say. The language gets shot with retroflexes, the syntax with nominal compounds. They lose their nerve. The British are the only most recent example. Look at what happens to Buddhism, Islam, the Parsis. There is an Indian way and it imprints and patterns all things that enter the subcontinent. It is inescapable and it is bigger than all of us. The fourth question may question whether Indians think at all. It is the West that is materialistic, rational, 
Indians have no philosophy, only religion, no positive sciences, not even a psychology. In India, matter is subordinated to spirit, rational thought to feeling, intuition. And even when people agree that this is the case, we can have arguments for and against it. Some lament, others celebrate India's unthinking ways. One can go on forever. We, and I certainly, have stood in one or another of these stances at different times. We have not heard the end of these questions or these answers.